I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Collider Ladies Night. This is a very special edition of the show because Mary Elizabeth Winstead is officially our second returning guest to the show. Thank you so much for being here and huge congratulations on Kate. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. You know how the show works, but you've never been introduced to the Dice Tower. So this is going to be your first time playing. I'm going to roll the die for you three times and we're going to see what questions you land on. All right. You got a seven. Oh, I'm so happy. All right, so this is the first time I'm doing this on the show. Number seven is called Mama Nems because my mom is a big fan of yours and she submitted a question. She really wanted to ask a question about Final Destination 3. So her question is, are you able to ride roller coasters anymore or did that movie freak you out? You know, I'm still able to ride roller coasters. I think I'm getting less into them as I get older, but it's more due to age rather than due to filming that movie. I'm just a little less interested in breaking my neck um, on a roller coaster. But um, uh, yeah, I I think it it did. We did have to ride a roller coaster. I think it was something like 50 times in a row um, during the opening sequence of that. And um, that was, there there were a lot of people throwing up and getting sick. And I mainly just had really bad whiplash for a while. Like I felt like this, like my head was like not attached to my body anymore. It was a really strange feeling. Um, but thankfully I was still cool with roller coasters. They're cool with me. Good. I appreciate you putting yourself through that. Cause I love that movie. Good. Good. Next one up is a number two, never again. What is something that you did for a film that now makes you say, I'm really glad I did that, but never again. Um, I would say like, like, sort of gratuitous like love scenes or, or nude scenes. I haven't really done much of that in my career, but I, I did it like once or twice where I was sort of like, um, I, I guess you sort of have to do this because everybody kind of does it and it's not a big deal. And, and then the right project for me, I've done it and it feels fine. Um, but I remember doing a pilot that didn't end up getting picked up. So nobody's ever seen it, thankfully, <laughs> where it was sort of like, it was that kind of thing in it and I wasn't comfortable, but I did it anyway. And um, 
it was one of those things where after the fact, I was just like, why did I do that? I didn't want to do it. And I, and I did it anyway. Um, I should have like listened to that voice inside and just not, not done it. So that was a learning lesson for me. Just because I'm curious, because it would, could be a tough conversation to have. If, if you were ever in that situation again, where just like a cut didn't feel right, mm-hmm. how would you go about approaching that now? Is that something you'd feel comfortable bringing to a director and working on? Yeah. I mean, I think everything is, has, has been a progression. You know, I feel definitely in a different place now than I did then in a lot of ways. And I would feel for one thing, much more comfortable saying, no, I don't want to do that. Um, and, and even beyond that, I would feel comfortable if I did do it and didn't like it saying, Hey, can we talk about that cut? Can we talk about that scene? Can we talk about how it looks in the edit? You know, all of that stuff. I think, um, I feel much more on an even par with the filmmakers now, um, and and able to have those kind of conversations. All right. One more to go here. The last one is a five. You got all, you got a bunch of my fun ones here. So this is zombie apocalypse. It's a little random, but because we've seen you kick ass in so many movies lately, I just have to know you yourself, after all of this stunt training, if there was a zombie apocalypse tomorrow, do you have faith in yourself that you could survive? Um, sort sort of, yeah. I, I, I have faith in myself that I'm, I'm pretty adaptable. I don't necessarily know that I'm like, going to kick ass and fight off zombies necessarily, even though I have some physical capabilities. I'm not sure it's that, that capable, but I, I at least know that I can kind of go with the flow and sort of pick up whatever's going on. Like I can try and, you know, if there's some, something happening that's that, you know, I want to like get swept up in, there's some movement I can be a part of. I will do my best. <laughs> All right. So the world. <laughs> that's going to get you far. All right, let's jump into the meat of the interview now. And the one that I wanted to start with, because we only brought it up briefly last time, and it deserved more of a conversation, is Sky High. The last time we spoke about that movie, you had mentioned that you had a period of like a year where you didn't work, and then you booked Sky High, and then things stayed pretty consistent and steady from there. So it was just making me wonder, do you think that that has anything to do with Sky High itself? As in, you know whether it's what you learned while making that movie or maybe that movie getting you in front of more eyes out there. Is that what made the difference with that? Yeah. I mean, I think for a lot of actors starting out, you know, they'll tell you it's just, it's kind of a domino effect. You know, it's like, you just need that one good part, that one sort of legitimate movie that plays in the theaters or comes on TV that people think is good. Um, and then it sort of starts a chain reaction. That's like, Oh, somebody saw that movie and put you in another movie. And then somebody saw that movie and put you in another movie. And that's kind of all it takes to, to get the ball rolling. So I don't really know at the time how many people saw that movie, what kind of effect it had overall, but it had enough of an effect to get me at least one more job, which is all it needed to do, (laughs) you know? And now I think it's really kind of, had some staying power because more generations have like picked it up and, and seen it and loved it. And I love that. I, Cause I kind of feel like it was a bit of an underrated movie um, when it came out. So I love that people are still watching it. We're going to embrace that a little at the end of the show. I have a fun game for you, but first with sky high. So you're, you're, you were fairly new to the scene at that point when you did that movie. And all of a sudden you step on set with heavyweights like Kurt Russell, Kelly Preston, Bruce Campbell, so many more, I could go on and on. Is there anything that you saw any of those veterans do that made you say like, I like how they're doing that. I want to put that in my back pocket and do that on my next project. You know what? Um, 
I, I remember watching, I wasn't in the scene, but I, I came to set to watch Cloris Leachman do her once she had like a cameo in the film where she played the school nurse. She was so funny and she was so, it was like all improv her stuff. She just was like one like banger after another of like funny, funny, funny ideas. And I had never really thought about improvising before that or like I, that wasn't even something that was in my wheelhouse. And I remember just being so inspired by her ability to like think on the fly and to go with the flow and the confidence to be able to do that um, was really inspiring to me. So it's not something that I really started to do for years and years and years or really had the confidence to do, but I, I totally, I was like, she's a hero. I, I totally fell in love with her watching her do that. I'm about to cheat with my dice tower game, but I want to bring back one question because you bringing up improvising makes me think of this. Like I, I always thought that it was pretty basic, the the skill of learning your lines. And then I started to ask people about them. And apparently everyone has really unique tips and tricks to figure out how to learn their dialogue. So over the years, what is something specific to your process for learning your lines? I, and I've learned I'm, I'm far from the only person who does this. So maybe this is a very basic answer, but I write them all down. Um, sometimes if it's, if it's a lot of dialogue, like over and over and over and over and over again until, until I have it. Um, cause I prefer to do that rather than rehearse them out loud. Um, because once I say it out loud, it's sort of like it's been said and it feels like it's a little bit like the moment's kind of gone. So I prefer to memorize by writing it down. And it also kind of ends up feeling like you're writing in a journal or something like your thoughts. And so those thoughts then eventually become words that you say out loud, but they feel like they're coming from, from you, if that makes sense. Here's another random thing I think about often. So I quote movies constantly, having repeated so many lines over and over and over for your movies. Is there any particular line that's like drilled in your head that you'll randomly say for no reason? Um, it's usually, they usually go like once, once the, the movie is done, they're usually kind of gone out of my brain, but then I'll be watching if, if a movie like comes on TV and I'll, and I'll like be like, Oh, one of my movies is on TV. Let me watch it for a little bit. It comes back in this weird way where suddenly I'm able to like speak along with myself. And I'm like, I have no idea where that just came from. That was not in my brain, you know, five minutes ago. So I guess it like lives in there somewhere. Um, but it's hard, it's hard to recall unless it's like right in front of me. I figured you're, you describing this is making me think about, you know, being a kid and studying for, um, you know, language classes yeah. when I was younger, where I would write out all the vocabulary words and I would remember them for that test. But by the time that test came and went, I forgot everything because I was uh, on to the next test. Yes. Yes. That's Apparently totally. that's not how learning languages works. You can't do it that way. All right. Jumping into death proof briefly, because, uh, you know, in terms of how we were talking about sky high opening doors before, I was wondering, did the fact that Kurt Russell is in both movies have anything to do with, you know, connecting the dots from sky high to death proof? I, I, I wish that would be, that would be a cool story, but I don't think so. I don't think Kurt Russell knew that I was doing the movie until, you know, we were at the read through and I was like, I don't know if you remember me, but I was in sky high with you. And he's like, you're so sweet and, and lovely. And of course was like, yeah, I remember you. Um, but no, I think I was just very lucky that, you know, when Tarantino liked my audition and that was that. But, and I was also very lucky, lucky to get to work with Kurt Russell twice because he's amazing. You ever think about what might've happened to that character after the events of that film? That's one of those things in retrospect yeah. that you kind of go, huh. I remember feeling it was weird at the time, but it was also sort of like, I don't know. Um, and now looking back at it, it's like, yeah, that was pretty messed up of your friends to leave you with some random creepy dude. Um, that's not okay. 
so I certainly don't think they're good friends anymore <laughs> for her. So I'm not sure that they're her friends really at all. I think maybe she thought they were her friends, but she was really more like the butt of the joke. Um, but those are all things that change in, <laughs> over time <laughs> with a little hindsight. I do think about that one a lot. Yeah. So um, another uh, broader question here that's kind of inspired by something we were talking about last time. You had mentioned something that really struck me in terms of, you know, when you were first starting out, you were looking for great roles, not necessarily great projects overall. Do you remember the the thing, whether it's a specific film or a, an experience that made you rethink that, that made it click, that great role and great story overall makes a better project? Yeah, I think it just came with age and experience. You know, I started really young. And I think when you're young, you're just thinking, I just want to act. I just want something that's great for me. You know, I just want to be able to go out and show what I can do, you know, and, and all films seem great because you're, you're a kid and you're making a movie. And so that's, so the, my sort of um, bar for the quality of the film wasn't as high as the bar for the quality of the role, but over time it was sort of like, well, that what really matters? You're, you're, we're all making something together. We're making a project. We're making something special. And we're all doing the same thing. It doesn't matter if you're the actor or the director or the camera operator or the costume designer, we're all just trying to make something good. Um, so I think that just came with, you know, becoming more of an adult and also becoming more of a seasoned film watcher myself and learning what I liked and what I appreciated um, as a cinema goer and wanting to be a part of that. Can you think of any specific examples of a collaborator that made you think, you know, I was really prepared and I'm doing good work right now all on my own, but because this person is giving me that, it's making my work even better. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess there's a, there's a few different examples of that. I mean, um, death proof speaking of in spite of you know what happened to the character and um that was amazing to to be a part of that with Quentin Tarantino and to to just be in a film like that with with someone who who I respected so much and admired so much um and to really like want to step up my game to like create this really detailed character and to really want it to live up to other characters that had been in films that he had done so that was that was amazing and then as I got further along and started doing more smaller independent films, um, I started feeling what it feels like to collaborate on a, on a bigger scale where you're really kind of in the trenches with the director and, and you're really getting to have those deep conversations and feel like you're a creative partner in a way rather than just an actor on a set. Um, so all of those experiences I've taken with me and I feel like now I'm able to kind of merge them together, you know, um, where I can be creatively involved and in a genre film like Kate, you know, where it feels like it has that collaboration of a smaller film on a bigger scale, which is fantastic. Okay. Speaking of a smaller film, but on a bigger scale ish, it makes me think of 10 Cloverfield Lane, which, yeah, right. you know, I want to ask you about that because it's, it's a really unique evolution, I guess, for that film where you go into it thinking that you're shooting this contained thriller and then at some point, whether it was during production or after, you find out that it's actually a part of this big film franchise. So I know that the story didn't change all that much when that happened, but what does that mean for you and your work? Does that switch require anything from you that you didn't expect? It was all definitely after the fact because I didn't know it was a Cloverfield movie until just before it came out. I had no idea it was a Cloverfield movie. It was not, um, it, it, it was, it, that was, it was an idea that was, floated around, um, but wasn't something that, um, 
was really officially like this is this is part of that universe it was its own kind of standalone film and then just before the movie came out um you know spoke with jj and and um it was like oh no this is this is going to be part of the Cloverfield franchise and I really didn't know how, what to think of it at first because it, I hadn't really wrapped my brain around it and then once the sort of once everything got laid out and it made sense and the marketing for it came out I was like oh I see how this fits together like this kind of puzzle and it's actually really smart um, but it was totally not not my idea but it was a smart one <laughs> turned out to be a very good choice yes, yes before we hit kate i have to ask you about birds of prey it was one of my favorite movies last year i forgot i want to ask you like a million questions about this movie but i'll just narrow it down to my my single favorite shot in the entire film and it's you going down the slide like stab stab stabbing can you just i don't know walk me through what it takes to make something like that happen because not only is it a real cool stunt but there's also that real cool camera move that happens during it. Yes, that was one of those the our stunt team, my stunt double Haley, um they showed it to me and it was one of those things I watched and I went, "Huh, that's funny that you think I'm going to do that because I have no idea how to do that and I don't imagine I ever will." Like, I, you know, I just thought it was very cute that they thought <laughs> that they were going to teach me how to do it because it was you know, I go into the slide, I, I sort of spider jump myself up with my hands and legs in the, in the sides of the slide. And then the camera guy slides down, Maddie, our DP, slides down under me. And then our stunt performer slides down under me. And then I flip around and land on him and then stab him all the way down the slide. So that's what they showed me and what I just thought was impossible to do. And somehow you practice it enough that, you know, you're just able to do it. And so we did it, but we did have a couple takes where the um, DP and I like full on crashed into each other. And it was like, everything just kind of went black um, at the end. Cause we really did shoot out a slide at the, at the end of it. We just went flying out. So it was a bit of a dangerous one, but it was pretty, pretty exhilarating, especially when we got it right. It was, it was really exciting. I feel like the spider move in the slide might have helped you with that one stunt in Kate where you're kind of like hanging up on the wall. Hanging up a wall, you know, you never know what you're going to have to do. You just never know with these with these, these stunt guys what they're going to ask you to do, but it's pretty it's pretty fun. <laughs> All right, it's time for the obnoxious birds of prey question because I'm greedy and I want more and I know we're getting the Black Canary movie. Uh, I, I want I want more Huntress. I just I want I want more of that character now. I, I love her too. You know, I'm super excited about the Black Canary movie. I love Journey. I love, you know, the work that she did. And I can't wait to see what they do with that. I have no idea what other characters are going to, you know, potentially be involved. I don't know if Huntress is going to continue on in some way. You know, there's so many different iterations of Huntress, you know, whether it's in the comics or in TV and film. And so I don't know if my version of her is going to continue on, but I do love her. And if if there was an opportunity to do that, then I would be down for it. So we'll see. I'm going to just impatiently keep my fingers crossed. <laughs> All right. Getting into Kate now. I really wanted to ask you more about your collaboration with Haley, your stunt double. And first off, because I know you two work together on Birds of Prey, you just brought her up. How exactly does the jump from one movie to another happen? Do you two look at each other on Birds of Prey and say like, we're working great together. Let's go make another movie. Yeah, pretty much. She actually started with me on Gemini Man. So I, I worked with her on Gemini Man and we trained together and she just was like the best and had the best energy and was also just so talented. And um, so on Birds of Prey, I honestly can't remember now 
if I asked for Haley or if they were like, we want Haley to, I can't remember how it all happened, but we ended up together again. And so by the time I was doing Kate, I was just like, well, Haley is just my person. I'm to bring Haley with me. Anytime there's action, it's gotta be Haley because it's also just so great to find someone who sort of moves like you. And you feel like when you see them on screen, it's like, oh, I believe that that could be me, you know? Um, but what ended up happening was for Kate, we trained together. It was like, we have, you know, this great time training in, in Thailand. And then on the first scene on her first day shooting, she got injured and could not complete the film. Couldn't do any more of, on, on the film. So that was like really a heartbreaking blow. Um, and um, so then from then on, it was like mostly me. And then we'd, we'd get, you know, we had, I had several different stunt doubles coming in from different countries to do different, you know, throws or falls or things. But for the most part, you know, and on a day-to-day basis, it was, it was me on my own. So it was a different experience than I thought I was having going into it, having Haley sort of, you know, as my partner the whole way. Oh my, I have so many follow-ups, but just to highlight Haley once more, what is it about her way of working that you find meshes? Well, like just beyond the likeness, what is it about her process that you think really suits your work when you do stunts? She's just, she's an incredibly positive spirit. She's like very bright. She's very, you know, um, hardworking. And I don't know how she does it. Like, you know, all of them really the entire stunt team, like they're just so like, they're like, they're your cheerleaders. They're there to like, they cheer on the actors. And it's like, you guys are the ones, you know, killing yourselves every day, but they were just like, you're doing so great. You know, they're just so, you know, they focus so much on making the experience good for, for the actors, which is, um, you know, they don't need to do that, but they do. And it's, it's really lovely. And, and I think she also, she has a dance background as well. So I think that's why we move sort of similarly, which really helps. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting to, to get back at it again since, since we didn't get to do it on this one. So she gets injured early on and then you have to work with a whole bunch of other stunt doubles after. Considering you're doing those stunts with so many different performers, is there any kind of, you know, like, like nut or a core of Kate's movements that you had to hold really tight to in order to bring all of that together? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's maybe more a question for Cedric, but I think ultimately it's mostly me in in the film, you know, so it was, it's more sort of trying to make sure from his point of view on an out on an, an outsider's perspective that when someone's coming in who hasn't been on the production the whole time, you know, that they move like me as, as opposed to vice versa, you know, where sometimes I would be, if I was training with someone, I'd be like, okay, how do they move? I want to pick that up. I might want to do that or do that. So this time it was a bit of a flip of like, how do you move like, like the actor, you know, um, which isn't always the case. So, yeah. And I think, you know, I think that they did a fantastic job. We were very, very lucky. I mean, Fa was a stunt double who was in Thailand who came in last minute. Elizabeth was, you know, came in last minute. Everybody was like, just sort of like, okay, I'll come in. I'll do what you need to do. And, And we were very grateful to have them. What is an example of a stunt in the movie that someone out there might be? There's no way she did that. That's a stunt double, but it's really you pulling that off. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, I guess it's, it's hard to say because it's all kind of a blur. I mean, I did, the only things I didn't do, um, were getting like thrown through walls and stuff like that. I, I, I didn't, I didn't get thrown through any walls. Um, <laughs> that's not me. Um, but everything else I, I really kind of, I did, um, which was a lot of fun and, um, makes me very proud, you know, to watch the film. 
I will tell you, this movie officially has my favorite on-screen haircutting moment. Oh, nice. <laughs> I feel like those are often very cliche, and this one stands out oh, more than so anybody glad. can understand without I'm seeing the movie. Glad. Yes, there are, you know, there's a few things about, you know, an assassin on the run kind of kind of thing that you do see, you know, in other films, but I think that our film does those things in an elevated way. That's what I think. <laughs> All right, jumping into the idea of her being poisoned. I'm curious what kind of direction you got for that and what kind of information you had to look up in terms of what's happening to her body, because that's part of the physicality that stays with the character throughout the entire movie and literally impacts everything she does. Yeah, I mean, we did do a little bit of research early on about sort of radiation poisoning and, and the effect that it has. And and this is trying to figure out how, what her deterioration would look like from a perspective of what she would literally look like, but also how she would feel and how she would speak and, and all of that stuff. So we, we looked into that um, at the beginning and Cedric had a lot of stuff to show me in pictures and videos and, and all that kind of thing. And, and the more, you know, attached to the character I became, the more sad it became, you know, just sort of like watching her deteriorate like that or you know sort of living through it but also kind of watching it in this weird way um you know because I really loved loved Kate all right one more question on Kate before we jump into our next game which hopefully will be fun all right so I was reading in the press notes that the car chase scene is completely CG so can you kind of walk us through what you have to do in order to pull something like that off are you kind of on a on a sound stage and just you know pretend driving how does that happen yeah, I mean, I did a tiny bit of, of real driving, which was fun because I had to learn to drive a stick shift, which I did not know how to do before. So it was like perfect time to do it. It's one of those things you sort of like, I should really learn how to do that, but you just never take the time to do it. And so I kind of had to do it for the movie. So that was good. Um, so I was driving around on the streets of Bangkok in that car a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, I was, on a, I was on a green screen, just sort of dangling upside down for a day, you know, just flailing around <laughs> in a, you know, car dangling upside down. Um, and yeah, there was a few different iterations of it. We had that, we had, um, you know, it in lots of different positions. And like, it's the kind of thing as an actor, you're just sort of sitting in there going, I don't know how this works, but I'm just doing what I'm told because I have no idea, you know, in terms of special effects, the visual effects, how they're going to make this work. So I'm just sort of in Cedric's hands doing what he asked me to do in that kind of instance. Good hands to be in with his VFX Absolutely. understanding. Absolutely. All right. Brace yourself. The second game is getting a little creative here. All right. So we are going to create a sky high sequel, let's call it. 20 years later, I wanna know where you think Gwen slash Sue is right now. So I got four questions here and we're gonna build a film for you. Hey. All right, so first one here is the big one. Do you think that she learns her lesson at the end of the movie or is she still operating as a supervillain? I think she's still operating as a supervillain for sure. I don't think there was any like moral, you know, like reassessment for her of her actions i don't think so <laughs> i feel like when you go around that twice you're you're pretty much committing to that power. oh yeah you're you're committed for sure all right so let's say she ditches that that supervillain team that she has she needs to make a new team you could pick three characters from your past films to add to that team who okay. is on her team um, let's see. I think Harley Quinn would be a good teammate for her. I think that they would, they would make sense together. Um, and who else? 
who else would work from one of my past films? Maybe I'm thinking of like one of the girls from Death Proof, like some Zoe Bell. Zoe Bell. I don't want to play favorites. I love everybody, but Zoe well, Bell is incredible. Looking through in my head, like this badass girl. Um, Zoe Bell. Yes, that would be that would be the one. Yeah. So you said two. Those. We got one more. You got one more slot to fill. What films have I done? Who am I? <laughs> I mean, my mind always goes back to Final Destination 3, but I don't know if any of them are, are super villain sidekick friendly. Like, you know, who would be a good super villain from that movie would be um, Amanda Crew, who played my little sister in that film, who also happens to be one of my best friends in real life. But because that character was really, like, she was supposed to be really annoying. You know, she was like the annoying kid sister who was always like, you know, like just like being a brat. So she could be a good, she could be a good foil in there in her own way. Okay, I can picture <laughs> this. We got two more questions left. Who is your new arch nemesis? Is it a character from the Sky High film or it could be any character from your other films? Arch nemesis. Oh God, this is really showing like how much <laughs> I forget what other films I've done or like, this is similar to, you know, when you learn the lines and they go away, it's like once the films are in the long past, they're sort of hard to, <laughs> to stretch back up. <laughs> My mind immediately went to Scott Pilgrim. Oh yes. Oh, Gideon. Gideon would be a great, you know, nemesis. Oh no, but no, but I'm the evil villain. So I want a good person. <laughs> I'm making sense of all this now. Um, so actually Scott Pilgrim, you're thinking yeah. of the actual person, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, let's go with your answers. I like that. Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> we got one more to go. So the pacifier, the weapon, it, it's dated. Yeah. It's been done. We got to switch it up. So she makes right. an updated version. That weapon turns her victims into what now? Mm. Oh, babies was so good. It was such a great turning, turning people into babies. Like that was so, that was so great. Um, what could they be turned into? Like, like like the opposite, like like little old people, like really like frail, <laughs> tiny old people. Like just go the opposite spectrum, maybe. Maybe that's the new version. No, this this could work, and and somehow we landed in a place where I really want to see this movie. I know, right? Just sort of some canes, some I don't know. <laughs> Very successful job, well done. I have to let you go. Again, huge congratulations on Kate to everybody out there. When you're watching this interview, it's available on Netflix right now. So go check it out. Congratulations. And the ladies night door is always open to you. We appreciate returning guests. Thank you for being here. Awesome. Thank you so much. Nice to see you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.